Welcome to episode 15 of Cartel Conversations, the podcast of the Micro Model Railroad Cartel. Hey, it's our first birthday issue. I'm your host, Tom, and joining me on Skype this evening is my fellow co-host, editor of the Micro Model Railroad Dispatch, Ian Holmes. Ian, how are you doing tonight? Ah, <laughs> greetings, Tom. Did you did you enjoy my little April Fool's joke then? Yes, excellent. Good job. But of course, you know, we kind of talked about this before you had posted it, uh, uh, you sort of opened a can of worms for yourself since several people, and I mean, uh, let me change that, a lot of people want you to actually create a real uh, e-magazine. Are you ready for that challenge? Hey, uh, perhaps, probably, maybe, you know, I mean, it's a good idea. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, I, I like the idea. I mean, right now I'm looking into the logistics of it, you know, uh, there rests on my computer an embryonic issue of the dispatch. Um, the feature article is about your hair in micro, or it will be when you send it to me. Hint, hint. Uh, yeah, I need to get that started. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, there's also going to be something about box file layouts, uh, as uh, as well as design for a modern micro in four square feet. And uh, then there's going to be a project gallery as well. That'll be a big feature. And I'm I'm hoping our our listeners and cartel Facebookers can help us uh, us with that. You know, sharing their projects with us and uh, share them on Facebook. Uh, drop us a line and uh, we'll throw them I, uh, what I'm saying we I it's my magazine <laughs> that's right you're the editor <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, if you want to see your layouts featured in the project gallery of the dispatch then uh, share them with us and I will get them in there you know so it's not too far away from being completed you know but there's still some logistics about the downloading of of such a thing you know it's uh do i like put the put the pdf of this magazine on dropbox and let people download it or do i find one of these specialized online apps that uh, like isu are you familiar with that one i s s u that's uh, 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 well, there's there's several of these online magazine hosting apps out there, and some of them it all depends on how how big your magazine is and how often you want to um, publish something. But I mean, the one that I was looking at, Isu, they only let you do on the free the free level. They only let you do like two issues a year, and I was thinking I would oh, probably wow. do. Like, I would only do that. I would probably do quarterly to start with, you know. So. Right, quarterly sounds better. I yeah. think that's uh, that's a good way to start. Yes, yeah, so well, we will see. I mean, the magazine looks like it could work, but I've just got to look at logistics of uh, getting it out to the people who would want to read it. I know with that too, for everybody that's listening, you know, give us a little time on that. It's uh, working the bugs out and all. I've never done that before, and Ian, I know this is going to be your first time doing it, so it's uh, going to be a learning process for sure. Yep, Le big learning curve. Yes, but enough of the magazine. You know, what about our birthday? Yeah, how time flies. You know, it's hard to believe we've been doing this now for a year. We didn't miss a month either, although tonight we kind of came close. But anyway, uh, that's a whole other story that you all don't need to know about. But anyway, we're averaging uh, about 100-plus subscribers right now, and when I had 
prepared my notes for the show tonight, we had over 1,200 downloads. It's actually higher than that now. And so that's great for just a little program, a little niche hobby podcast. We don't do heavy promotions of it online or pay advertising for it. I don't think that's too bad for what we're doing here. And hopefully uh, with that being the case, people are uh, enjoying it so far. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Happy birthday to us. Yeah, it's... Mm -hmm. Amazing, yeah, one year. You know, I, I didn't you think, think we'd do that for a year. And did you think we'd get through? I didn't think it would. La I didn't think the podcast would last this long. And mind you, I didn't think the pandemic last this long either. Yeah. You know, but you uh, yeah. Hopefully, in these uh, these past twelve months, you know, we've entertained people, we've given them some ideas, and well, here's to another year for it. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, absolutely. After our recording session with Bob Hughes back in episode thirteen. I went ahead and cleared off my workbench, and I got busy adding scenery and backdrop details to my Heron Micro baseboard. I got on a bit of a roll with scenery, and it everything just really started coming together. It started coming together very quickly, and the left side tail tracks are hidden by a backdrop building flat, and I made that from foam core and cardstock images. I printed them from Clever Models off my texture CD I bought many years ago, and then I also added a few plastic pieces to the paper structure. And then I went ahead and mounted a cardstock printout that I got from Team Track Models. And that's actually for the main structure of the Maytag appliance plant. And I just glued that directly to the backdrop. I didn't need a, a real thick building there because the track clearance was really tight. I just needed, again, just a flat image just to break up that mm -hmm. blank backdrop. And that worked out pretty good. Basically, the layout now is finished. I recently added a chain link fence, and I bought one of those from eBay, the Walther's chain link fence. The funny thing was, this was back in March 3rd, and when I had ordered it, mail was still going pretty slow after, mm -hmm. you know, they were still back ordered on Christmas rush. I wasn't expecting it, and I got that thing in three days. Can you believe that, Ian? Wow. They shipped that. I don't remember where it came from, but it, it was... It was like on the East Coast, and I got it in three days. And I was just floored it came in that fast. So I went ahead and set that up. After I put that in, well, actually, before I put the fence up and installed it, I went ahead and put static grass down and added some foam textures and some weeds and bushes to the layout. I also installed a photo backdrop that I had taken from some images from Heron, Illinois. And I printed these on cardstock, and I just cut them out. I cut the sky out around the trees and then just used a glue stick and glued those to the back of the backdrop and it was fairly easy and the thing i like about it is it gives the scene more depth i liked it and my wife kept looking at it she says it just doesn't look right she said the, the trees are too round i didn't really want to fiddle with painting it but i went ahead and broke up my acrylic tube paints and i started to add some foliage the bad thing about photo backdrops i use an inkjet printer i didn't use a really high resolution because i don't want the backdrop to be the focal point i just want yeah. it to be to draw the eye into the scene Mm -hmm. So blending it with acrylic paints, sometimes it's a very stark contrast. I wasn't really sure, but I went ahead and what I did was that tank, that, that storage tank that's on the layout. Yeah. I practiced behind it because I figured if I messed up there and it didn't <laughs> like the look, I could put the storage tank there and hide it. So uh -huh. that's what I did. But it actually worked really well, and I got kind of in a groove, and I feathered it out to the photo where, you know, if you get in real close, you can see where the paint starts and all. But to the casual observer, I mean, it's probably one of my better paintings, actually. So <laughs> so all those years of painting landscape paintings really did come in handy for that step. I also 
had applied ground foam to some homemade trees. I had bought back in 2017. I didn't buy them. My wife got them for me for Christmas, but I got one of those super tree armature kits. It was just mm-hmm. a big box of those super trees. So I went ahead and um, made those, and I put those as a view block on the right side. And now the finished layout, I'm looking at it right now. It's sitting on top of uh, a cabinet that I have here in my layout room. Thinking about taking it to the next train show I go to, but that's going to depend on when train shows start happening again here in my area. So what's been going on with you? Well, no, I just, I was just, what I was going to say is like, I was really impressed with the way Herring came along so quickly at the end, because you've always told me all oh, these bits. I don't, I don't like doing this and I don't like doing that. And I was thinking, oh, Herring won't get finished before the end of the year. But no, there you got, you put, you set yourself a deadline and you did it. And I mean, it, looks great i am really impressed with the way that looks the whole scene comes together perfectly and some of those photographs you've taken that you've uh, put on the facebook page they're outstanding beautifully atmospheric you know thank I was you really sure. impressed and i was interested that you said there that um you were getting opinions from your wife and uh, saying she was giving her opinion that the scenics weren't right and so you had to like uh, make your little changes. I'm, often my wife likes to uh, give her opinions on things I'm doing and that's one reason why she ends up helping me on some of these things. But uh, yeah, it's always good to have a second pair of eyes around to, to look at things and look, they look at things in a different way. Yeah, and she's supportive of the hobby, but she herself is not into the hobby. Mm-hmm. So I value her opinion because she don't worry about my feelings. She, she, don't, <laughs> she don't think it looks right. She'll say, I don't think that looks right. But I appreciate that because that way then I know I've got an honest opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's a little easier to take from your wife. <laughs> uh, so, sometimes the general public can be a little more cruel. <laughs> so that's why. But hey, that's yeah. just, uh, as I was telling somebody on Facebook, that's kind of the nature of a beast. When you put your work out there on the internet, be ready for criticism. And, yep. and you know, that's where uh, I know sometimes it, it does hurt. And believe me, I've had my feelings hurt over stuff too. But uh, I have to say, though, it's it's nice when you get a project done and you feel good about it. And, you know, even if you get a few critics, uh, the vast majority have been very supportive of it. But I have to say, I finally finished the layout in under a year. And that's kind of the reason why I set that that deadline, mm-hmm. because I wanted to push myself. By the way, that's when I, when you asked me about writing an article for the EMAG, you have to give me a deadline. I <laughs> work much better under pressure. So that way, when I have a deadline, I know, and it does. Yeah. But, but, you know, it was really... And I'm going to give credit to Bob Hughes. When we talked with him, I hadn't really been, you know, you know, when we were talking before, I hadn't really been getting into the modeling stuff. I've got other hobbies I do that are non-model related. And I was focusing on those. But after talking with Bob, like that Sunday after we had uh, recorded on a Saturday, he had posted uh, his the one layout that uh, San Vince de Rey, The I think that's the I'm, I'm going off my memory and my memory's not that great. But the one end scale layout that I love that Bob had that yeah. was one of my inspirations for Wetterow, that one he posted and it just it was like somebody lit a fire. And mm-hmm. I was just like, I got to get that down. And I did. I I literally on Monday cleaned my other project that was on my table, set the heron up. And I just went like gangbusters and, and got that finished. And it's satisfying to know that I got it done. And I'm glad that people are liking it. That's uh, That makes you feel good. Well, yeah, because it's top-notch. It looks really good, you know. And I, like I say, I've been working on the dummies, dummies for the magazine. And, yeah, yeah I've been 
putting your pictures on the front cover and laying them into articles and yet that I've had the chance to look really closely at those pictures and uh it's a really great little layout so yeah thanks i appreciate it yeah so so yeah so but i have not totally been working on my little april fool's gag and it and its development yeah like i said the uh one of the articles i was planning on working on for the dispatch is something about box file layouts i've got the start of a box file layout hidden away in the corner of the room and i thought what really i should get that out and i should get working on that so it's like Yes, I've been working on my box file layout. I mean, it's now got the track fixed in place and the start of some scenic development on it. Uh, but I came up against an odd issue the other week, you know. Mm. I've been doing some working on the scenics for it, and I thought, you know, I know what I want. I want a rock face on the back of the layout. Mm-hmm. And it's like, cork bark. That was always the old standard for rock faces. On When I was growing up, you used cork bark for your rock faces. But did, did you do the same in the, in the U.S.? I didn't, but I'm sure there's others that uh, have. Yeah. So, but I see, I'd, all my years in the hobby, I'd never used it before. So I thought, I am going to find some cork bark, and I'm going to use that for a rock face on the back of the layout. So I made my first trip down to Hub Hobby in Richfield in months since before Christmas, and I was going to get some cork bark. But they didn't have any. It didn't look like they ever did have any. So I'm wondering, you know, is cork bark out of vogue for model railway scenics now? I was was really surprised that I couldn't find any of that stuff. But they did have this stuff, Mountains in Minutes, it was called, Mm -hmm. Flex Mm -hmm. Rock. And it seems to be like some kind of lightweight foam material, like pillow foam, but just like a bit denser. Oh, okay. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and uh, the texture that it's got it's like very much like weathered sandstone of like mojave desert that sort of thing you know the roadrunner cartoons and stuff like that yeah <laughs> it's, it, but it's bit, not as not as cartoony as that it's right, quite, quite quite realistic but you know so i thought well i'll just like wax some paint on it and see what it looks like you know and i've painted it a bit and uh so it's probably going to be like a limestone maybe clay limestone sort of slate sort of thing we'll see it looks pretty good and i've dropped it in on the back of the uh the layout there and i think it makes a nice interesting change in texture from like grass and what i and what i usually do so that little layout's coming along you know i've got if you've seen the um photos on the facebook page you know i've got Mm -hmm. this idea for a nice little abandoned well abandoned loading dock scene yeah, I like that, by the front, way. Front right there, and I'm thinking now that I'm going to have, like, uh, a run-down old loco depot, loco shed, on the back left, and then that'll the two will kind of, like, offset each other, and I think that'll work nicely. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Oh, well, yes, yeah, so something I've been looking into for a while now is the uh, jigsaw baseboard concept and well well i really disappeared down a rabbit hole with this uh, the jigsaw baseboard is another idea from the mind of ian c rice he uh, came up with this many years ago in his book uh, an approach to model railway layout design this book must be at least like 25 years old this jigsaw baseboard idea i don't think ever really took off 
but doesn't stop me from thinking about it. What it basically is, is, well, you know, we're all used to the idea of layouts built on sectional baseboards or modules, you know, four foot by two foot, three foot by 18 inches, what have you, you know. And um, so you just join them end to end. You know, in the jigsaw concept, he went one step further and like sectionalized parts of the layout and you would then put those together there wouldn't be any like rigid baseboard joins the joins would be hidden like by hedges and like sidewalks and such like but each section would join up to the next but not necessarily it's like not necessarily end to end you know you could be joining end to side or side to side and the the layout builds up like a mosaic if you like um a section might be the railway station or a main road or, or the shops or fields you know each section can be modeled separately and then joined together to make a larger whole you know that way you can work on a section at your workbench and then you put it in place when you need it making it easier to work on i mean this is the kind of thing that uh, people like sean brownstetter does when he's working on his track sections you've seen him do that he's built his turnout on his workbench and on that thick foam gator foam board and then drops it into the layout fixes it in place on the layout when he's done so it's kind of like a similar concept to that except you know these sections are not like fixed in place you know because if if we think talking about taking this layout to an exhibition you know you're going to have like a baseboard table that you put the layout sections on you know i think in ian rice's book he had like holes he took a table a baseboard table set up and there were holes all over baseboard table and there were dowels or pins or whatever in the underneath of the baseboard so that that way they would be located on the table and they wouldn't move about yeah, interesting. So, yeah, I mean, it's so, it got me thinking about like um, micro layout applications for this, you know, particularly in the larger scales. You know, I mean, I've talked about measuring micros in the larger scales before with a couple of months ago. You know, and I said that your micro layout in the larger scale can be defined by the area taken up by the track, you know, and that idea was adopted by the seven eighths scale Facebook group for their micro layout competition. And that worked very well. And so if you remember, they counted that the track area only was the four square feet limit, you know, and mm -hmm. this works well with this, this concept of the jigsaw baseboard you have your track section and there you go you've got a layout it might be four square feet it might be less mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. and if at some later date you want to add some scenery well you just you can make some scenery sections and just like bolt them onto the side it makes your it makes your layout bigger than a micro but the micro section you could still operate the layout as a micro by just like getting rid of the scenic sections and just having the track section as, as you want it mm -hmm. but that my thought process didn't even stop there when i get on a roll i get on a roll tom it was like you finishing off your hair in micro it's like once i get an idea in my head and i roll and roll and roll with it so uh, there is a layout out there on youtube called the Tottenhoe Mineral Railway. 
and it has a really unique presentation method. The, the modeler, Eamon Seddon, or Seddon, S-E-D-O-N, modeled only the area of the railway property. You know, the line mm -hmm. side and the property fencing are the limits of the model. And the layout rests on a black table with black drapes around it so that your sole focus is the model railway and the trains. It's the lighting that makes it special. The lights are like spotlights so that the lighting is focused and you can only see what the layout owner wants you to see. And that, the whole layout is the whole effect is actually quite striking. It's, it was being, it was featured on uh, Carl's original website many many years ago, and that's where that's where I first found out about it. And uh, when you look at it, you can see you have like a black table, baseboard table. You have a black baseboard table with a black backdrop behind it, and there is this strip of color of the railway running through it so those are kind of like jigsaw sections you know there it's just the track section if you're following me you know mm -hmm. so see Eamon is a trained theatrical lighting specialist so it, i think it might be difficult for the ordinary man in the street to actually recreate the same effect you know but i find black is such an overpowering color and you know i've moved away from it myself as a, as a layout color you know so I moved towards neutral grey. So, mm -hmm. so I was thinking perhaps you could have your jigsaw piece of layout surrounded by grey, you know, on a grey table with grey drapes. It might make an interesting effect, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. particularly when you think about the layout background, you know, because you, you're you're an artist, Tom. You, you'll you'll know this, you know, you'll have studied the landscape, you know, on hazy, misty, you know, foggy days. The colors in the scene become really very subdued. And I think one of the keys is really what element you find that draws the eye into the scene. I'm kind of going the other way, Ian. I'm embracing more of the, the black, like the theatrical, you uh -huh. know, uh, uh, applications that are used where, like, you know, staging photographs on my hair and micro, mm -hmm. uh, I've got in my, my bedroom wall where, where I have my layout at and I had hair and micro set up, I've got a shelf that I've got my, you know, um, DVD player and, and sound system on and everything there. And it's white. And then I've got the wall is white. And of course, I got black cords hanging down from the television and the sound system and all. And then I have a black tablecloth on mm -hmm. my resin tables that I set it on. But I noticed when I was taking photographs, that white background, the black tablecloth, and I, my baseboard uh, is black. You know, I painted everything black. Mm -hmm. I want to draw the eye into the actual mm -hmm. color of the scenery. Yeah. And I noticed that white was drawing my eye back to all the distractions. So what I did when I took my photos, I went ahead and put just scraps of black foam cord that I had left over from building the heron and just arranged them just loosely, willy-nilly, put them in there to isolate that white. I found that eliminating that background and having that where the eye wants to come in. And I mm -hmm. found the black really does have a tendency. Your eye doesn't want to look to the black. It wants to yeah. draw into where mm -hmm. light and color are. If you have a gray, I think that works well too, because again, you have, a, it's, it's more of a neutral Yeah, and it is a neutral. And the fact that it is, your eye is going to tend to go where the scene is, where the action is, where 
where you want the eye to go. And that's where I think if you have that consistency, an old Dave Ferry um, model of railroad scenery book he has on his backgrounds. And, and it's one of the philosophies I took years ago from reading that when I first got in the hobby was as he showed how to do simple backdrops. And he, he always talked about, you know, he didn't have any artistic ability. In years since, he's taken art classes and things. Dave mm-hmm. Ferrer is an excellent artist. But his <laughs> backdrops, I, I always thought, my word, your backdrops, when I first got started, oh, those things are awesome. But basically what he did was when he would paint the green, he would use um, latex paints. And I think he even misted a, just a, a very light white. You know, you think of white being pretty stark sometimes. Mm-hmm. But the way he did it, it created that the like um, tree covered hills in a distance but it was more like a haze like you were talking about Mm -hmm. that hazy misty foggy look and his purpose was he didn't want people being focused on the backdrop Mm -hmm. he wanted people to focus on the scene but at least the eye the that backdrop leads the eye in where the mind fills in the gaps it's the theatrical tricks it's it's what causes you to believe it's just those visual tricks i agree a trained lighting specialist in in the theater is going to know a lot of those inside tricks. But I want to let everybody know, I'm not a photography person. I'm a hack when it comes to photography. And I'm just using my little phone camera. You know, I'm not perfect. And my word, my photography needs a lot of work. It's just amazing how much improvement it can make to it by doing those things to draw the eye in. Actually, I think your idea of going with the gray is good. I think, again, it's that consistency. I mean, I grew up on the North Sea coast of England, so I know a lot about fog. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's a, that's another idea that I'm quite interested in. The idea of a neutral grey framing on background on a layout. It probably wouldn't work for displaying a box file layout like that though. But yeah, something in a larger scale, maybe we'll we'll see. That's going to do it for episode 15 of the podcast. Hey, happy birthday to us. Yeah, happy birthday. And yeah, I'd just like to uh, reiterate what I said at the start of the show. You know, we we appreciate you guys listening and uh, thanks for being with us on the ride. You know, we hope we've given you some inspiration, some ideas. Perhaps you've uh, built some layouts on the back of what we've told you. It's been great and we'll, we'll look forward to another year of the same. Yep, absolutely. And be sure to visit the Micromodel Railroad Cartel Facebook group. Uh, Just search for Micromodel Railroad Cartel on Facebook and you'll find us in a search. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to contact us at the Cartel Conversations blog. And you can find that at microcartel.blogspot.com. You can also email your questions and comments to us at microcartel at aol.com. For myself and Ian, we wish you all good health and happy micromodeling. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. This is Tom. I'm not only the co-host of the show, but I'm also producer and editor, and I want to share with you just a few outtakes. It takes a lot of editing to get out all of the different little stutters and things that we do during the recording, and I thought it might be fun for our birthday edition to share with you just a random sample of a few of the edits and outtakes. I hope you enjoy them, and thanks again for listening. Join us tonight. Ugh, start that again. Uh, get it to foot in that fit in that. Ah, uh, you know, uh, um, on the show with us now is fellow founding mom. Uh, I'll cut. <laughs> um, um, uh, even just painting. You know, let me start over again on that, Tom. Just be aware of your environment 
Yeah, I you know you know make fun of that with you know because it, it is I mean the you know the um, oh I'm blanking out here. You know so yeah. um so um I mean that's just yeah you know and and so it's it's me um you know so yeah. um so um and joining me on Skype this evening is my fellow co-host editor of the Micro Model Railroad Michael Waywell. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was, I was, you know, I got to order, I got to order. And, um, um, and, um, um, and, um, there was a discussion on a face group, but let me start again. And then there's the, that radio controlled out, 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 layout with. I like to keep things around the wall. I always did like those kind of layouts. And you know what? Speaking of cameos. Sean. Yeah. Sean. We we're not a call-in show, but we have a call-in. Really? Uh, And that's it.